welcome to the Did You Know Crypto Podcast, Episode 5, Cryptocurrency Exchanges. And the last episode, I talked to you about how you can purchase cryptocurrencies both through an exchange or face-to-face. -face. Today, we're going to be talking about exchanges in detail, the different types of exchanges and which ones I prefer to use personally. There are two types of cryptocurrency exchanges, centralized and decentralized. Centralized being an exchange like Coinbase, Uphold, Bitfinex, and that's basically a company run by a group of people that control who can and cannot access their services. A decentralized exchange is just the opposite. Anyone can download the software and instantly have access. Think of centralized exchanges like the classifieds in the newspaper. You have to request access to post your buy and sell ad, and at any time the newspaper can remove it if they want. A decentralized exchange is like a public bulletin board where anyone can post up whatever they want. There's absolutely no gatekeeper. First, let's tackle centralized exchanges. I will be mentioning five different exchanges, a brief overview of them, and then their pros and cons and help you make a more informed decision. Remember that this does not constitute financial advice. I am not a financial advisor, and this information is for educational purposes only. The first thing you should know when you want to buy crypto with national currencies on an exchange is that you're going to have to abide by certain rules and regulations that require these exchanges to verify your identity. And they're doing this because governments require them to make sure that you're not a terrorist, that you live where you live, and everything like that. This is called AML and KYC, which stands for Anti-Money Laundering and Know Your Customer Laws. Each exchange can have slightly different requirements, but generally you're going to have to submit a photo of your driver's license or uh, passport, a utility bill, and one exchange actually had me take a selfie holding my driver's license next to my face. Others didn't, it just depends. The reason I mention this is that I talked with someone a few months back that had originally started to go on board with Coinbase but never verified it because they thought it was some sort of scam since they were being asked uh, for pictures of their driver's license and all this other kind of stuff. I explained that exchanges that take US dollars have to abide by these laws or else they face fines and most likely jail time. It's a legal issue. They can't not do this. So let's start with our first exchange, Coinbase, which is the most well-known and probably where many of us bought our first Bitcoin. So what are the pros of Coinbase? Their main allure is their ease of use. They have put a lot of work into providing users a very intuitive framework to navigate. It's easy to sign in. The app works very well. And once you're verified and have your banking credit card stuff set up, it's very easy to just basically point and click and buy your cryptocurrencies. It offers some very neat, uh, neat features as well. You can deposit US dollars into a US dollar wallet if you just want to hold cash waiting for a dip, which is basically a low point in the price to buy up so that you can uh, either sell at a high price or just have a better overall entry point. You can also store your crypto in what they call a cold storage wallet. We're going to talk about different kinds of wallets in detail in the next episode, but what most exchanges use is what we call a hot wallet, which is basically an active account that you can instantly send and receive crypto in. Think of it exactly like your wallet or purse that you have now with dollar bills in it. You can just pull it out, give someone money. There's no waiting involved. This, of course, has risks. If someone gains access to that wallet or to that purse, they can remove the funds. The same concept applies to hot wallets on exchanges. Most exchanges, though, have only about 20% of their total funds available since most people are not pulling out all their funds at once at the same time. 
So even if there was some sort of a hack, the majority of funds, even in hot wallets, are unavailable to a hacker. Cold wallets, on the other hand, are not connected to the network. So even, let's just say Coinbase was overrun by hackers who had full control of their network, these wallets are not connected, so they are not at risk. They're basically what we call air-gapped. They're not connected to the internet. They're not connected uh, to the network at all. Coinbase offers you the ability to put a portion or all of your funds in a cold wallet, which is nice for security's sake. The downside is that it will take 48 hours to gain access to those funds if you need them. For example, let's say you stick two Bitcoins in a cold wallet in 2014, and now you want to sell them. You will request access to those funds, but it's going to take two days before they actually show up in your hot wallet so that you can send them to someone or sell them or whatever you want to do. So what are the cons? Well, Coinbase has a lot of bad reviews, mainly around customer service and complaints about fees. So let's talk about fees. They charge 1.49% if you buy with a U.S. bank account and around 4% for a credit card purchase and another 1.49% when you sell it. To deposit or withdraw funds, it is free if you use ACH debits, and it's about 20 to 10 to $20 if you use a wire transfer fee, and that's going to be on your end sending it. But in their defense, Coinbase itself is less to be used as a trading platform, right? This is not something that you should really be using as a, if you're doing any kind of day trading or swing trading. It's more of a way to get money in and out of crypto, back into dollars or euros or whatever you're using. GDAX is actually their native trading platform, GDAX, and that's the one that runs with Coinbase. And their fees are around 0.25% per trade, which is roughly about the same as, as most of the other centralized exchanges. I do have to admit, I do have a little bit of a negative bias, given some personal issues that I've had with them, where they close my account for no reason whatsoever. No amount of requests that I've sent to reopen my account or even give me a reason why has ever been answered by their customer service which leads me to the next issue. Customer service is, or at least was when I last dealt with them, downright terrible. I'm sure that they have been swamped, and especially around the time that I had my issues, it was right around the peaks in the price where you had a massive onboarding of new people. But I can't ever remember anything ever really being speedy with them whenever I had issues with deposits or withdrawals or, or the account closure. For a company that made a billion dollars last year, I would hope that they would have invested more in making sure that their clients are happy Although I have to say, just recently, I was complaining about that on a tweet, and Coinbase did contact me and ask me to give them the claim number. So I am in the midst of that, but I still do have a little bit of bad blood. I have no idea why it happened. The last downside I will mention is limited coin selection. Currently, Coinbase only offers Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, and Litecoin. They have talked about adding what are called ERC-20 tokens, which are tokens created on the Ethereum platform. They are not their own coins with their own network. They operate within the Ethereum platform, but that has not come to fruition just yet. If you want to buy other coins, you will need to move some or all of your crypto off of Coinbase to other exchanges to buy these. The next service I'm going to be talking about is Uphold. I currently have an Uphold account, and that's the primary way that I get money into fiat. I am extremely happy with Uphold, but uh, let's go into the pros and cons and, and give you a little reasons why I am. So the pros. Uphold is a worthy competitor to Coinbase in terms of a very user-friendly interface. It's very clean. It's friendly. It's easy to navigate. It's very intuitive for anybody that's kind of used to using any kind of modern online banking or going through Amazon or eBay. 
it's very simple. Uphold offers multiple options, not as many as some other exchanges or trading exchanges like Bittrex, but a lot more than Coinbase. In cryptocurrency selections, they offer Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Gold, Basic Attention Token or BAT, Dash, Ethereum, Litecoin, and recently Ripple. In addition to that, you can actually move and hold your funds in gold, platinum, palladium, or silver, as well as 30 other world currencies. In your Uphold account, you can hold these in what they call cards, i.e. your Bitcoin card or your Mexican peso card. So you can instantly, within seconds, move Bitcoin into actual gold or British pounds. Uphold is also partnered with a service called Bitwage that allows you to deposit all or a portion of your paycheck directly into crypto. Customer service is also a big plus over at Uphold. I get really good speedy service with them with any tickets I've submitted, and their social media team is spot on whenever you tweet them with an issue. In fact, whenever I tweet about Uphold with other issues with other places, they have actually responded, which is really, really nice. So transparency and backing. Uphold actually has a specific page on their site that lists their current volume and holdings. And right now they have about 101% reserves for all their obligations. That means that if every depositor pulled their money now, they would owe $136 million and currently they have $137 million in assets to cover it. In short, they hold more than what they owe, which is a very good thing. So let's go to the cons. Fees are also high, but lower than Coinbase. It costs nothing to deposit funds and they have a flat rate for crypto and cash withdrawals. To buy and sell various currencies and commodities, the fees range from 0.65% to buy US dollars, to 1.05% to buy Bitcoin, to 3.95% to buy Platinum. It just varies on the exact one. You can find the list of fees in the show notes. These fees are not outrageous overall. If you decide to buy 5,000 in Bitcoin tomorrow on Uphold, it would cost you about 52 bucks. If you're day trading, this is not anywhere close to ideal. But for getting some cash into crypto easily, it's really not that big of a deal. Overall, I love Uphold. The fees are the only complaint, but they're offering a very easy-to-use system. They're very quick to assist you, and they are backing all the assets they have. This is a cheaper alternative to Coinbase that has all the positives, in my opinion, but lower fees and better customer service. The next centralized exchanges I'm going to talk about are Kraken, Binance, and Bittrex. Unlike Uphold or Coinbase, these exchanges are geared more towards traders. Fees are low, averaging about 0.25% per trade and they have a much larger selection of coins. Personally, I use Kraken to do a little bit of trading, but mostly I use Bittrex and Binance. But let's talk about Kraken here real quick. Recently, they just fixed a bunch of issues on their site that had made me leave this last fall. Mostly they couldn't handle the traffic, so trades weren't going through. So what are the pros of Kraken? Their interface is decently easy to use and no longer buggy. You won't be totally lost if you've never traded on an exchange, and it's decently intuitive. I love that they have US dollars versus just having US dollar tether pairs. Without getting too deep, uh, a tether is supposedly back $1 to one tether for every single one that's out there. I'm a bit skeptical and I try to stay away from tether the best I can since there's been some negative rumblings, but nothing is for certain. With US dollar pairs, I could take profit in cash and not be in USDT. Cons, Kraken still has a very limited selection of coins compared to Binance or Bittrex. And they really should invest in making their interface more clean and user-friendly. Aesthetics are not the most important thing in the world. But if you're trying to steal customers from Coinbase, it really does need to look great. 
Overall, though, I like Kraken now that they fixed their overload issues, and I've been buying more and more coins there the last few months. Binance is relatively new and has probably the most extensive li listing of coins. I use them to buy a lot of my less well-known coins. So what are their pros? Unlike a lot of other exchanges right now in the late winter, early spring 2018, they are open for registration. Most exchanges won't take you right now as of recording, but Binance is open. If you're looking to buy coins not listed on Uphold, I would deposit your funds in Uphold, buy Bitcoin or Dash or whatever, and send it to Binance to buy whatever coins you're looking at. I haven't had any issues at all with Binance, with trades not going through or anything like that. I don't really have anything bad to say about them at all. I have not used their customer service, so I can't really comment on that. Cons. So Binance is not overall very pretty looking, and some of their awkwardly badly worded English sentences that kind of betray some of its Hong Kong origins worried me a bit at first when I first started using it. It's a lot better now. But by all accounts, the companies and its owners are legitimate. They're kind of monsters in this field now. The buy and sell interface, it's really not that intuitive. It's not very clean. I do like that they offer you the, you know, you can buy or sell 25, 50, 75, or 100% of your total holdings, depending on whatever you're doing. It's a bit awkward, but it does work fine after you use it a little bit. Overall, I don't have really, like I said, anything bad to say about Binance, other than I hope they do a major overhaul soon to kind of clean up its look. If you're going to use Binance, please use my referral link at didyouknowcrypto.com slash Binance. That will redirect you to the site. And if you do that, thanks. Bitrix is the last exchange I will talk about. This was my primary exchange for a long time, given their hefty coin selection. I bought and sold the majority of my coins there, and I still do some buying and selling there as well. So what are their pros? As I already mentioned, they have a large coin selection with pairs in Tether, Ethereum, and Bitcoin. When I say trading pairs, this means that these are what the coins are traded against. In the stock market, if you buy Apple, that trading pair is US dollars. You can't buy Apple stock with Great British Pounds on a US stock exchange. So in Betrex, if you're going to buy Litecoin, you could buy it with US dollar Tether, Ethereum, or Bitcoin pairs. While in contrast, if you wanted to buy Litecoin on Coinbase, you can only do that with US dollars. Bittrex also has a decent interface and a good if-then options for trading and selling. So what this basically means is you can say if Bitcoin drops to 6,500, buy three Bitcoins with that, buy option for today only, or if Bitcoin rises to 10,000, sell two and a half Bitcoins with that sell option, good for 30 days. You can set any number of days that you want for that trade to be good for and just different kind of combinations of if-then occurrences for your trade. So what are the cons? While I loved Bittrex, there have been some issues as of late with claims of frozen funds and controversies regarding payoffs for them to actually list coins. But I think this is kind of industry-wide that exchanges are requiring anybody that wants to have their coin listed, thus would increase their price as well, to basically pay a quote-unquote listing fee, which is not really that much different from any other stock exchange or anything like that as well. But it's there. I haven't had anything specific that I can speak of, and I don't have any concrete facts to back up these negative claims. These are merely just rumors, and these have been floating around. But I feel that they need to be mentioned so that you can make an informed decision. I split most of my buys for anything that's not on the, on the bigger cryptos, like the Bitcoins, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin. 50-50 between Binance and Bittrex, basically. I like both of them. I have no issues at all with either of them. 
and have had no issues depositing or withdrawing funds. Before I move on to decentralized exchanges, I want to mention that I don't endorse any one exchange over another. And I would be remiss to not mention that it is never a good idea to leave your funds on an exchange. Personally, if I'm not actively trading a coin, which I basically define as an imminent buy or sell within about 72 hours, give or take, I move them off the exchange into a hardware or paper wallet. And a hardware or paper wallet is something that we'll talk about in the next episode, episode six on wallets. So don't worry about it if you don't know what this is. This does cost a little bit in transaction fees, but it's negligible and worthwhile for my peace of mind. Markets move fast, but for the most part, you can get your funds back onto an exchange within 30 minutes if you really need to. This is just what I personally have incorporated in my own security practices and recommend you do also. Do your own research, figure out whatever you feel comfortable with. Those of us who have been around for a while remember the Mt. Gox, M-T-G-O-X, Mt. Gox fiasco, which at the time was the largest Bitcoin exchange in the world. When Bitcoin was hitting its all-time highs of then around $1,200, Mt. Gox got hacked. About $450 million in Bitcoin was stolen. That's about $7 billion at today's prices. This, along with other factors, led to a major crash in prices. Now, what Mt. Gox taught many of us was never leave funds on an exchange. Today's exchanges are way, way more secure than Mt. Gox ever was. And that whole fiasco was just really poor leadership overall, but I'm not going to go into that right now. I'm not worried about losing funds on an exchange per se. However, it is a possibility. Why? Because it's a centralized service. And as we talked about in episode one, centralization leads to single points of failure. In the next episode, we will talk about the different types of wallets and recommendations. And in episode eight, I'm going to cover security procedures you should implement to make your cryptocurrency holdings and transactions as safe as possible. But in short, move your coins off and exchange into a hardware wallet if you're not going to be trading anytime soon. Okay, so what is a decentralized exchange or DEX, as I will call them from here on in? I briefly mentioned DEXs in the last episode in that you can't use them currently to buy crypto with US dollars. The AML KYC laws make this impossible or really impractical with the DEX. A DEX is the exact opposite, however, of a centralized exchange like Coinbase. There are no gatekeepers. There are some other DEXs coming online like Komodo, Waves, and BISC, but today I will only speak about the one I have personal experience with, that being BitShares. In the future, I will do some reviews of Komodo, some reviews of Waves and BISC as I get to use them and feel more comfortable actually sharing any kind of opinions on them. Decentralized exchanges are, as you can guess, the exact opposite of a centralized exchange. There are no gatekeepers of who can and cannot access it. All you need to do is download the software, set up your account, and you're ready to go. Just like Bitcoin is a currency, a DEX, decentralized exchange, only requires that you follow the unchangeable rules that the network runs on. I have a post on medium.com that I wrote specifically on BitShares, so I'd encourage you to read that for more in-depth information and I'll link to that in the show notes. To use BitShares, if you're going to use them, use the link I have in the show notes as well. Or if you're listening, go to diginocrypto.com slash BitShares, and it'll redirect you to the BitShares website. After downloading the software, it's really straightforward to use. You're just going to create an account, and you're going to fund it with cryptocurrency from another account. Personally, you can say, if you just want to start trading with a couple hundred dollars, go into uphold.com, put some cash into there, get some crypto, 
and then send it over to BitShares and away you go. So what are the pros? It's decentralized. There's no company to hack. In episode six, once again, we're going to talk about wallets and public private keys in more detail. But these are basically the username and password for the wallets that you that hold your crypto. Public key is like your username, the thing that everybody identifies that wallet with. The private key is what unlocks that wallet, the password. On Coinbase or other centralized exchanges, you do not hold your private keys. That means you do not hold the personal passwords to the wallets that your funds are kept in. This is what's called a custodial model. They are the custodians of your keys and thus your funds. You cannot pull them out without their permission. With BitShares, you hold the private keys to your funds, so you can have access to them outside the platform. Another aspect of the BitShares decentralized model is its security. In episode one and two, we talked about how decentralization leads to network security. The larger the network, i.e. more decentralized it is, the less likely that the network could ever be shut down by either a hacker, a rival company, or even the government. With Coinbase, a simple court order to suspend trading activity would be all that's needed to freeze everyone's ability to actually withdraw their funds or use them in any way. With BitShares, as long as one person in the world is running that client or node, everyone's information would be secure and accessible. The possibility of, especially as the platform grows, of it ever being shut down grow less and less and less likely. Remember, decentralization equals security. If you're a trader, this is actually going to be the best aspect of BitShares, and they have extremely low fees, like crazy low. I have signed up for a lifetime membership, so if I make uh, about 100,000 total trades a year, I'd only spend about three bucks total. At 2.5%, at 0.25%, I should say, per trade on most exchanges, it would cost you more than this after six trades of $1,000 or more. The free membership is slightly more expensive than lifetime members to trade with, around 14 bucks a year. And it's roughly, I mean, still extremely low. Personally, I would just sign up as a lifetime member. It used to be around 100 bucks. So right now at about $20, it's a steal in my opinion. And it's good for the rest of your life as long as that username and password is accessible. BitShares is an open platform, which means anyone, you or I or anyone, can create their own exchange. Open Ledger is the most well-known platform and is different than the program you'll actually download from the main BitShares website. This may sound confusing, so think of it this way. BitShares is like a huge strip mall. They're the building with certain rules. BitShares also opened up the first storefront in that mall, and they allow you to buy and sell crypto at their store. Anyone can come in and open up their own storefront, however, as long as they abide by the rules. Some will give you more options in certain cryptos. Others will want to make their storefront look nicer. It's all the same platform and rules. They just have different names on the storefronts. What Open Ledger has done is made the inter interface a lot more nicer. They contain a lot more trading pairs than BitShares does. This is the cool thing, though. Let's say in Open Ledger they have a new trading pair called BitOil, and the price is pegged to the U.S. dollar value of a barrel of West Texas crude on the open market. This allows people to trade commodities within the Open Ledger platform. If any exchange like Open Ledger or another on the BitShares platform offers a new asset, anyone on the platform can trade with it as well. Although you pay a slightly higher fee than if you're on the Open Ledger platform. So if you're using BitShares and Open Ledger offers this BitOil, it's going to be extremely low, but still slightly higher 
to trade on it on BitShares and OpenLedger, but everyone has access to it on the platform. This is a nice segue to the next pro, is that anyone can create, with a negligible fee, a new asset. So let's say I want to trade the Enigma token on BitShares, but it's not available. I can go into OpenLedger, go into my account, create a new asset that trades as Enigma and would be listed as open.enigma. Or if I was going to trade EOS, it'd be open.eos. You can find many assets being listed on the network, and it's really neat to be able to do that. These assets are not going to be backed by actual gold or dollars, but are backed by the dollar value in BTS, the native currency of the platform, at 175% their value. BTS is currently at writing of for April 2018, $0.14 per BTS. To make this simpler, let's just say it's $1 to 1 BTS, just to ease it up when we go forward here. So using BitUSD as an example, this asset is now backed by 1.75 BTS per dollar. That's 175% of the BTS dollar value per BitUSD. So it's really good. And then when people list these things, they actually have to put these assets to back up so that there's a real asset being traded with real value behind it. And it's not just a randomly created thing. The last pro I'm going to mention is that it's really easy to start using. You can start trading within about 30 minutes. Let's say, like I mentioned, I have an Uphold account where I have $500 in Dash. I can download BitShare software, sign up, create my login information, which you also need to store securely as there's no account recovery. This is a decentralized exchange. If you lose your information, you are done. To fund the account, I need to deposit some BTS. You can either go to an exchange like Binance or whatever and buy BitShares BTS and send it to your BTS address on BitShares. Or the other options is that they offer you the ability to download BitShares by depositing other cryptocurrencies. For example, Dash. I can go into my account, find my with, uh, deposit section, deposit Dash. It'll give you a Dash address to send your Dash to. And when I send my Dash from Upholder there, when it's deposited in my account, it's deposited as BTS. And it will convert it instantly, deposit my account. Takes less than 10 minutes for me to do this whenever I did uh, the last time that I did this just recently. So, what are the cons? Well, there are a few. The most glaring really is low volume. Binance, for example, does around $1.5 billion in daily trading, trading volume. BitShares does about $2.5 million. Trading volume is important because it means there's high liquidity in the markets that you want to trade in. For a buy or sell order to go through, you need someone, real person, to be doing the opposite of what you are. For example, if you want to buy a Bitcoin at $6,500, there has to be someone on the other end willing to sell it for that. Conversely, if you just bought it for $65 and now you want to sell it for $7, there needs to be a buyer who is willing to pay $7,000 and have a buy order in for that amount. High volume and liquidity means that there's a lot of buyers and sellers and your ability to have your order executed is more likely. In lower volume exchanges, it can take longer for orders to execute or your order may only be partially executed because of a lack of buyers or sellers. I do believe in coming years, DEX trading will massively grow in volume as more regulations enter the crypto markets to bring quote-unquote legitimate trading into Wall Street. Regulators will, as they always do, working hand-in-hand with the industries they quote-unquote regulate to ensure that they get the best end of the deal. Wall Street bankers and investment firms will, I repeat, will bring crypto trading and investing as it currently is under their purview. 
Just now, we've heard Goldman Sachs is opening up a trading desk, and the New York Stock Exchange may even open up a full-out crypto trading platform. The laws will be written to make them middlemen in these transactions, and the Coinbase's and other U.S.-based exchanges will be bought by investment banks or closed down if they don't play ball. This will push money to foreign exchanges for a period of time. Although quickly, there will be regulations to follow only allowing U.S. citizens to invest in SEC-approved foreign exchanges. This will end up driving up fees and costs to invest and trade in a space that is currently 100 times cheaper to do so than in traditional markets. This will also move individuals who can't either afford to or don't want to use white-collar exchanges to start using DEX exchanges like BitShares. There's no way for these to be closed down. So I do see positive futures for any kind of mainstream decentralized exchange. Another con, though, for BitShares is that it's not a great or intuitive interface. It can be a bit confusing and took me a little bit, despite trading for some time now, to get the hang of it. It's not clean or aesthetically pleasing. However, this is going to be changing soon as one of the community projects that BitShares is funding is paying some programmers to revamp it and, and make it actually look a lot nicer. A side note that's not a con, though, is that the BitShares algorithm funds a pool of BTS that is used for projects that community delegates vote on that are deemed beneficial to the community, which is an awesome way to fund projects for a project that actually doesn't have a company behind it. The last con isn't that big of a deal, more of a FYI to people. As I mentioned already, BTS is the coin that is native to the BitShares platform. Everything runs on that. In most exchanges, if you buy, sell BT, uh, Bitcoin, you'll be charged 0.25% in Bitcoin or whatever the crypto you're trading in as a fee. On BitShares, however, you only use BitShares for the fees. So you must, must, must keep a small amount of BitShares available for those fees. You can't sell all of your BitShares for, say, Litecoin, then try to sell Litecoin for BitUS dollars. You'll have no BTS left for the fees and for that sale. And you can't turn around, unfortunately, and sell, sell a small portion of your Litecoin back for BTS because you have none to cover that fee as well. You will have to fund from an outside source some other crypto to convert into BTS again. As we mentioned earlier in the example of sending Dash to fund your BitShares account, you'll have to do that again. It's going to convert into BTS. However, this is a bit of a hassle. It's not a big one. It's really easily mitigated by always keeping a few dollars in BTS at all times in your BTS account. I didn't realize this at first. I wasn't thinking. So I had a few headaches trying to figure out how to get my trade to work. And I ended up realizing I was going to have to refund it again. So it wasn't a huge deal. I just always make sure I keep like, you know, $20 or $30 in BTS in my account. Overall, I'm very happy with the BitShares decks. And actually, I've been sending more and more of my funds there to trade with as I've been getting more comfortable with it and as volume has been growing. I will eventually, if possible, once volume grows to a certain amount, be doing all my trading and purchasing there due to the extremely low fees. I would recommend people go and buy a lifetime membership now. It's so cheap. You lock in these low trading fees for the rest of your life. Just go to diginocrypto.com slash bitshares, B-I-T-S-H-A-R-E-S, or the link in the show notes page for the episode. I do get a small referral fee in BTS if you sign up through that link, which is why I mention it. But if there's other DEXs that you want to go through, go and do it. This is one that I'm very familiar with and I'm very comfortable with. Uh, but I'm recommending it because I'm already a member and I think it is very valuable. I hope that this helped you learn more about how cryptocurrency exchanges work, 
so that you can make a more informed decision where you're going to be buying and selling and trading all of your crypto. If you do have any questions, feel free to contact me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram with any questions you may have. If you want to support us, shop through the Amazon link in our homepage or go to digiknowcrypto.com support. You'll find all of our podcasts there, articles, social media links, and everything on digiknowcrypto.com. That's digiknowcrypto.com. Thank you.